We'll uh, get started with our, I don't even want to call it teaching, hopefully more sharing. Um, and I'm sure Jerome, you know, shared up front <clears throat> sort of the vision of Cornerstone, of, of living out his word. And, you know, really, we've been, we're blessed as a church to have God's word um, regularly uh, taught to us, not just publicly from the pulpit, but just privately and, you know, just in your discipleship groups and just through counseling and discipleship. And, and so, you know, the, really the vision of Cornerstone is how do we really help us connect the dots between what we're hearing on Sundays, what we're studying on Wednesdays, um, so that we might live it out, you know, as we're being transformed uh, through the power of His Spirit. And so, you know, just thinking through how do we want to start off Cornerstone and, you know, men- mention at the members meeting last time that we'll cover several topics, uh, including dating and divorce and remarriage. But just in <clears throat> terms of starting off uh, the semester, um, yeah, I just want to just be transparent before you all and just to be able to share uh, just the work of the gospel and the work of his word uh, in my own life uh, as, a home, as a shepherd in the home and in the church as a husband and a father. Um, and really, at the end of the day, you know, give all the glory to Christ um, because if it weren't for him, you know, none of these things uh, I would be able to... Uh, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to take credit for any of this because it's all... Um, the work of the gospel. So, um, and then what I'm going to do is after I'm done with my sharing, I'm going to have you all sort of break up into smaller groups, and I've asked uh, some of the, the men in the Cornerstone team to sort of lead those, facilitate those discussions, um, just to share one way that you are being called to live out the light uh, in your current circumstances or relationships or context, and then to be praying for one another in that, all right? So can I get my first slide? All right. Well, I'm going to read this. You know, we've been going through it on Sundays, but hopefully um, just to set our minds. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its salt, saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Can I get my next slide? Maybe a little hard to see there, um, but, you know, I just put on our slide... um, the six points that Mark uh, had gone over, you know, in this, um, in the, his exposition of this, you know, passage that we read, um, what is living the light about? You know, his first point was living a life, living the light is about living a life that belongs entirely to Christ. Living the light is about, secondly, a life that blesses others with Christ. Living the light is also about being salt and light like Jesus. Fourth, being part of Christ's life, family, and ministry is what living the light is about. Fifth, living the light is about shining with Jesus and like Jesus. And sixth, living the light is about His life in us, bringing others to glorify our Heavenly Father. 
And so amongst this, these six points, I just took a couple of them and just, you know, I'm here to just to share again as one of you, you know, one who struggles uh, in different areas of my own life, but, you know, by the grace of God, um, I'm able to hopefully uh, grow uh, in living out the light, His light in my life. And so, uh, can I get my next slide? <clears throat> so his first point was a life, living the light is about a life that belongs entirely to Jesus. And when we think of the word holiness, okay, we often think of what? Like separation from sin, being unstained from the world, and those are all absolutely true. But I do appreciate what Sinclair Ferguson says is really at the heart of holiness. What is really at the root of what holiness means? It's that we are entirely devoted to God. And we are to be holy as our triune God and each person of the Trinity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is devoted to one another in holiness. Right? And um, if you look at the Old Testament and read through the, especially the Pentateuch, you know, you, you see how Moses writes that there are vessels that are used in the tabernacle that are called holy. Right? What does that mean? Does it mean these, these pots and pans and basins and candles, they are sinless? No, it's that they're holy in the sense that these specific items that are used in the worship of God is set apart for Him. Right? And that's consistent with this definition of holiness that our lives belong to God because of the work of the gospel in our lives. And so holiness is not ultimately about us withdrawing from society and forming this monastic sect, right? And that's an illusion because the sin is not out there, it's in our hearts, right? But ultimately, holiness is the work of the gospel to set us apart for Christ and to make us more like Him. Robert, Mary, uh, Robert Murray McShane, uh, who I believe is a Scottish pastor, famously said this, the greatest need of my people is blank. Now, how would you guys fill in this blank? The greatest need of my people is blank. Right? If you're a husband or a father, maybe you might think the greatest need of my family is maybe more income so that maybe my wife doesn't have to work as much. Or the greatest need of my family is a bigger home, even if it's to host and entertain others. Maybe it's to take a family vacation on a regular basis or take a trip to Hawaii. Maybe if you're engaged, the greatest need for your significant other is your fiancé to save up for that special wedding day that you've always dreamed of. If you're in single, if you're single or in college, maybe your greatest need is to study hard in school or get a better job to fund your current lifestyle or support your future family. Robert Murray McShane actually says, the greatest need of my people is my personal holiness. Now, it sounds like 
Wow. Very high view of himself, right? Is he implying that he's more important than Christ? Well, this is this very same man who said this. Our soul should be a mirror of Christ. We should reflect every feature. For every grace in Christ, there should be a counterpart in us. He also said, for every look at self, take ten looks at Christ. The greatest influence that you and I can have on others is through our personal holiness. Do you believe that? Right, Men, God has called us to be leaders in the home and in the church. And I'm often asked, you know, how do I lead and shepherd in a relationship, for example? And I remember asking that same question when I was dating Becky 13, 14 years ago. And do we go over a book in the Bible together? Do we meet up with a godly couple? You know, what's appropriate for how I lead in a dating relationship? You know, and thinking just in my mind, you know, what do I need to do? What do I need to do? What do I need to do? Well, according to God's word, gospel leadership is simply about living a life worth imitating. It's about being salt and light. It's about the gospel bearing fruit in our lives. That's what leadership is. It's not about what we do. It's about who we are in Christ. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, 10 through 11, You, however, have followed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecution and sufferings. He also writes to the church in Corinth, Be imitators of me as I am of Christ. And to the church in Philippi, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So at the end of the day, I'm called as a husband and as a father to bring the life and presence of Christ to my home, to Becky and my boys, and to my spiritual family, this church. And it's no different for elders who are called to lead a congregation. It's no different for discipleship group leaders who are called to lead members of his or her small group. It's no different for the guy who is pursuing a dating relationship with a sister in the church. The question is, is the light and life of Christ evident in your life? Can I get my next slide? Romans 3, 11 through 14. I thought of this verse. Besides this, you know the time that the hour has come for you to wake from sleep, for salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone, the day is at hand, so then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us properly walk as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in quarreling and jealousy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. For according to 1 John 2, the desires of the flesh, the desires of the eye, and the pride of life is not from the Father, but from what? The world. And therefore, we're not to love the world 
or the things of the world, but to love Christ. And so the question that Pastor Mark, if you recall, asked was, what fills our life? What fills our life? Is it Christ or is it the things of this world? It might even be good things that fill our lives. But does it compete with your affection and devotion to Christ? You know, uh, during our last share in prayer, a brother was sharing how busy his life will be over the next few months. Kids' birthday parties and activities, upcoming trips, family events. You know, how he was looking forward to being poured into by Christ at the Shepherd's Conference. My life is no different. Our lives are so busy. Yet, Jesus reminds Martha that we can fill our lives and be busy with many good things, even ministry, and miss out on the best thing, which is Christ. So the question I have to ask myself, and you all too, is are we willing to give up certain things? Maybe it's hobbies you have, certain entertainment, even social media? In light of the truth of his word, that our lives belong entirely to Christ. Now, this is not about legalism. This is not about, you know, not doing these things so that, you know, we can merit favor before God. We know that's not true. But this is the work of the gospel in our lives, that as we understand that our entire lives, from our free time to our Sunday worship, every moment of every day belongs to Christ, you know, does our life conform to that truth that we profess? Robert Murray McShane, whom I quoted earlier, said this, let your soul be filled with a heart-ravishing sense of the sweetness and excellency of Christ and all that is in Him. Let the Holy Spirit fill every chamber of your heart so that there will be no room for folly or the world or Satan or the flesh. If I can use an illustration, it's like if you can imagine a jar that's full of oil, right? And as you start to pour water into the jar, what does it do? Pushes out the oil, right? Because it doesn't mix. And the oil starts to pour out the top of the jar. In the same way, the more our lives are filled with Christ, the less room we have for secondary things. The more we look like Him, the less we look like the world. The greatest need the people in your home, the people in this church, and the people in the world, is that Christ would be formed in each of us, gradually, little by little, it's called progressive sanctification, so that we would give, so that others might see and give glory to God who is in heaven. It's not about our righteousness. It's His work of the gospel in making us more like Christ. And the encouragement from our last FOLF lesson on the person and ministry of the Holy Spirit is that God has given us everything that we need to lead such a holy and fruitful life so that by applying His means of grace, time in His Word, time in prayer, time in fellowship with other saints, we can in turn be a blessing to those in our home 
and in our church. And this leads to the second way that the Lord has been calling me to apply His Word in our home. Living the light, if I can get my next slide, is about living a life that blesses others with Christ. Living the light is about a living a life that blesses others with Christ. Last Sunday at our members' meeting, you know, I shared about our recent decision to homeschool our older two boys. And God does not call every family to homeschool their kids. In fact, even though we were open to it from the very beginning, you know, with Joshua being so little, we weren't in a position to take the plunge until more recently. But with four growing boys and our busy schedules, Becky and I became increasingly aware of the need to be more proactive rather than reactive in our shepherding of them. And if you talk with any of the moms who currently homeschool, it definitely comes with a cost. You know, finding time to cook, grocery shop, and clean, hard to come by. There's no more free time while the kids are in school. And not to mention the sanctification that God brings into our lives through our kids. In one area in particular that God has been progressively sanctifying Becky and myself is in the area of expectations. You know, we are called to have biblical expectations. Children are called to obey their parents. And wives are to submit to their husbands. Husbands are to love their wives and lead their wives as Christ loves his church. But what happens when those expectations are not met? Do we get angry, frustrated, bitter, resentful? And sadly, many times I do. And I've had to repent to the Lord and to my own family of my idolatry of control. It doesn't mean that we lower the standard. And yet, how we respond to those standards not being met really reveals what's going inside of our hearts, right? And when we look to Christ, who was tempted in every respect, as we are yet without sin, we see that He doesn't lower the standard, but at the same time, He was always full of what? Grace and truth. Grace and truth. And that's what Becky and I have had to recognize that, you know, do we really live this out? It's not all true. It's not all grace. It's grace and truth. These things are inseparable. And it's helpful to be reminded that in the end, Christ is our righteousness and that through the power of His Spirit, we have an opportunity to respond to our kids with the gospel and not in our flesh. We both still have a long ways to go, but as the Lord has shown us much mercy and grace, we're thankful to be able to walk by faith and to focus on being faithful to Christ, trusting in His timing and in His will rather than being driven by results. And so to that end, I would appreciate your prayers for us that as the Lord continues to transform us, He would use Becky and myself to be His blessing presence and gospel presence to Isaiah, Caleb, uh, Nathan and Josh. And one last aspect of our lives where Christ has been shepherding our hearts. If I can get my next slide. You know, living in the light is about being part of Christ's life, family, and ministry. For those who are going through church membership starting next week, you'll have an opportunity to walk through the scriptures and 
And consider how this is his calling for every true child and citizens of his kingdom. And for Becky and myself, who've been members of this church for over 10 years, you know, we're thankful to the Lord for how he's continued to grow us in our understanding and our application of this truth in our home. That because we belong to Christ, we are called to be part of his life, his family, and his ministry. And it is God's work of grace to help us increasingly build our lives and schedules around the ministry of His Word and prayer. It is as simple as a decision to start our mornings with His Word versus at the end of the day when the kids are cranky and tired. It's about planning our schedules around the ministry of the church, ultimately not because I serve as an elder, and my responsibilities that come with it. That's secondary. We plan our schedules around the ministry of the church because we belong to Christ and by extension to this household. Pastor Mark mentioned this at members' meeting. How does the fact that we belong to him and to his family affect the way we plan our vacations? Do we book our vacations around church ministry? or about finding the best flight or hotel deals. Also, it might mean letting go of certain activities because of the priority of the church. And this is not to boast about ourselves. This is something the Lord's had to grow us in and help us to see and, and live out. You know, but to just give you an example how we've been challenged in this way, Isaiah's tennis coach has asked us on multiple occasions to have him play in tournaments over the weekend. And we've had to gently decline. But it's also given us an opportunity to talk to Isaiah and to shepherd him and to help him to see that being part of this family means that by faith we have to give up certain things, even good things, when they compete with the priorities that God has set for us. And we do it by faith, not because we're better than others, but because Christ is worth it. And he died for us and he died for this church family. I remember when I was single, I loved to travel on my own. I even went out to West Africa a couple times when I was in my early 20s. I was very uh, rogue and independent back then. It's the work of the Lord. But now that I'm married to Becky and I have four kids, I, I won't and I shouldn't. And in the same way, living in the light comes with a cost. But there's a greater joy and a blessing of building our lives and our schedules around his life, his family, and his ministry. So let me ask each of us, how different would our schedules look if we built our lives around Christ's priorities, his family, and his ministry? The default is we just go by the kids' schedules or we go by our work schedule. And that's not to, to just throw that all out and just say, well, I'm just going to, no. But how do we by faith come to him and say, Lord, help me to devote my life, help me to devote my family's life really build it around you and your family. Also, being part of his household means investing in his life, his ministry, and his family. You know, I believe I speak on behalf of the other pastoral interns when I say that our decision to go to seminary is not about us. It's not that we might be holier Our decision to go to seminary is to be equipped in the Word 
so that it would transform our lives to invest so that we can invest in the life and in the family and the ministry of this church. And whether that's through teaching, whether it's through discipleship or counseling. Now, this does not mean that every one of us is called to go to seminary. But the Lord does call each of us to invest in his life, his family, and his ministry. The question is not if, but how. Maybe it's to sign up for the next biblical counseling conference so that you might be built up in Christ and be a blessing to this church. Maybe it's to commit to praying regularly for members of the church. However he is calling you, are you being faithful as a member of his household? For Becky and myself, being part of his life, his family, and his ministry has also impacted the way we view and steward the resources that God has blessed us with. Some of us are going through the estate planning process, and if Becky and I were to pass away, who are we going to entrust our financial resources, our assets, even our kids to? If the church is the household of God, our conviction is that we trust and entrust them to the members of our spiritual family. Do you give consideration to his family, his ministry, and your day-to-day decisions? Or are they sort of isolated decisions? This is how I choose to live. This is how I choose to plan. This is how I choose to make decisions. Again, this is not to boast about ourselves. We've come a long ways. It's the grace of God. It's the power of his word in our lives. Ted, are you asking me to give your life to this church? No, I'm not but Christ is. And it is good, it is his good and perfect will for us that we would be part of his life, his ministry and his family. And there's a great blessing in that. You know, and 10 years ago I would have thought this is crazy. I would never have imagined where we are today but by the grace of God. But what we've come to see is that there is a blessing that comes with living in his light. And that blessing has been sweeter than anything we could have ever imagined. And so these are some of the ways that Becky and I have been challenged to sort of work out our theology and to live out his word. And the bottom line is, do we take God at his word? Do we trust him, what he says in his word, that it's true, that his promises will come to pass? Are we willing to stake our lives upon it, to walk the walk and not just talk the talk? Again, this isn't a call to legalism. It's a call to allow his word to work in us so that our lives would be conformed to Christ, that Christ would be formed in us step by step all the way until he returns. So that's all I have to share. I'll, I'm going to at this time ask, you know, over the next maybe 45 minutes or so, I you know some of you guys are looking forward to the Super Bowl, I heard, so... But um, we still have plenty of time. I want us to break up into smaller groups. So if I can have, um, I see Willie in the back, um, Kevin Lee. He's, you want to, could you go ahead and stand if I call your name? Kevin Lee, Garrett, um, Jerome. And I believe, and I'll, I'll take a group myself. So one, two, three. Did I forget anyone? Danny? There you are. Do you mind? All right. On the spot. Could you guys sort of spread out throughout the sanctuary? And I'll take a group as, as well. And just go to the person nearest to you 
and maybe try to split up into more even groups so that not one group has 20 and one group has two. This is so that we can sort of um, facilitate some sharing. Share one way that the Lord is calling you to live out his truth in your home or in the present context or relationship that you're in. And then pray for one another. All right? Simple enough? All right. So why don't we all break? And then uh, Jerome will come up at the end and close us in a word of prayer.